0: last couple weeks, um, the Lord's had some things on my heart that, uh, you know, sometimes when the Lord speaks, it's it's kind of hard to discern right away exactly what He's wanting. And, and I'm sure you've experienced this. Um, that That's how the last few weeks were for me. What He started to lay on my heart, I, I couldn't figure out if it was... Something that he wants for me or something that he wants for the church. And, and I, I think I talked to uh, at least some of you about this. But um, And I mentioned it on Tuesday as well. And the result of it, I mentioned Tuesday, was a fast. But I, I want to tell you just for a moment kind of where that came from. In my own life and in, in your own pursuit of God... If, if you, if you don't come to a place where you're not satisfied with, with your intimacy with him, with your time with him, with your access to him, then, then there's probably no growth in the relationship. Because as you grow with Him, you, you yearn for more of Him. That, that's the place that I've been at for, for the last couple of months. Just this, this desire to be with Him. I, I want so badly to, to, just all that's on my mind is His kingdom. And I just want to be there. I just want to go there. I want, I want that time frame to be now. But clearly it's not. And it won't be. And there's a reason for that. It's because He wants us to hunger for Him. He wants us to go after Him. And so as I'm doing this, as I'm praying and, and, and I'm recognizing, you know, God, there, there are moments in my life that you've, you've taken me through and, and perhaps that's all it's supposed to be. You know, I've, I've heard your voice, I, I hear your voice all the time, but I've heard your voice audibly twice. And, and, you know, I yearn for more, but, but, you know, of course I'm reading through and, and I believe it was King Saul who heard the voice of God twice. And that's all he heard. That was enough. And, and clearly he didn't listen, but but the 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 point is, I can I think. Well, Lord, okay, is, did I get my quota? <laughs> you know, did I reach my quota for this life? And and is is there not more to gain from you, and more to learn from you, and more to desire in this intimacy with you? And and if you read any of Paul's epistles, you know that that never stops. That always continues. We're never to be satisfied with where we're at in relationship with Him. We are to be satisfied with our surroundings, by the way. Don't confuse that. We are to be satisfied with what He does for us, what He gives to us. We're to to be satisfied because His grace is sufficient. But we're not ever to be satisfied in our hunger for relationship with Him. And that's where I've been. And one thing He began to lay on my heart was how you go after him. How you go after him in a deeper way. And we've talked about this a little bit. And I I think in some ways it's hard to even verbalize what that means. Because it's real easy for a preacher or anybody to just get up and say, Well, here, follow this three-point outline. And you're going to draw closer to God. <clears throat> See, the fact of the matter is, it has nothing to do with an outline. It has nothing to do... With, at least at the beginning, with what we do in our choices to, you know, do this or do that, do this work, do that work, whatever. It has to do with our heart. That's why the scripture says God looks at the heart. has to do with our heart. Does our heart yearn for Him? David said, my my life First, Psalm 27, 4. David yearned to be in the house of God. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. See, David's desire was not just to go on, in their case, Saturday, right? On the Sabbath. To just be with God. And, and I get to be with Him on Saturday. I'm so excited about that. That's awesome. No, David said, I want to be with you every day. I want to be with you at every moment. I want you to consume my life in such a way that there's not a moment that I'm not with you. And see, just being transparent, this this is where I've been. This is the cry of my heart. This is what I want. This is what I want for me. This is what I want for you. So how do we do that? It has to start... With the yearning in your heart, you have to want to. Because you can follow all the outlines, you can do all the steps, you can do everything you want to do, or that you're told to do, but if that yearning isn't there, you're never gonna find it. (laughs) I remember when Alexa and I, early in our marriage, and, and we were, uh, you know, we were in business for ourselves, um, after the first year of our marriage, I think, or a year and a half, something like that, two years, whatever it was, and um, and you know, we were. It, it seems like the businesses that we chose were were heavy into motivating people, and and that became a passion of ours. That became something that that we we learned how to get good at. And I I remember I remember you know any of these motivational speakers. We would just really get into, right? And maybe this will help with my discipline. (laughs) Any of you know me? That's something I've been working on for fifty years, and we'll probably keep working on it for another fifty years, right? But but I I remember I remember one in particular, and and everybody knows Tony Robbins, right? Everybody's heard that boy. Well, at least people over thirty have heard of Tony Robbins, right? Okay, he's actually like it's like he's coming back now. I see him all the time on Facebook. I don't know what that's about, but although he still looks young, so whatever. Anyways, we get his tapes, and this is gonna change our lives. This is—I mean, look what it did for him. You know, his whole life changed. He—I don't know what it was. His—he's not a Christian. I don't believe, but his his testimony of the changes in his life were dramatic. I mean, I think he lost, like, ridiculous amounts of weight, right? Am I remembering that correctly? And and, and he, he went from from this person who did nothing to a person who accomplished everything. So we get these tapes, and, and this was back with VHS. Do you guys know what VHS is? Yes. Okay. The young... Oh, yes, and yeah, we started with cassette. That's even before VHS, but anyway got cassettes but then we got the the videos i think we still have them they're probably worth something now i don't know (laughs) but you watch these things and the information is so good it's so good man if i just follow this my life is gonna change i'm gonna look like him I'm, I'm going to, my, my life is going to be on track and, and all of a sudden I'll get up at 5.30 every morning and I'll be chipper and I'll love it and I'll be, just go out and tackle the world. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, maybe I got a bad set of tapes <laughs> because it didn't seem to work that way for me. Uh, I'm so excited about the information and beginning to apply the information but see, my heart wasn't there. My yearning wasn't there. Look back in your own life. Look at the things that you have done versus what you wanted to do and did not accomplish. Is the difference that the yearning was there? Right? We, we say that to, to young people all the time. If you really want this and go after it, you'll get it. It's because it has to start with a yearning. See, a relationship with Jesus Christ, it has to start with a yearning. When you've accepted Him into your heart, that builds the basis for that relationship. But see, it isn't up to Him after that. The Bible says if we draw to Him, He will draw to us. So it had to come from this fervency in our own heart that we are hungry for nothing else but Him. Now, I'll tell you, for me, that took a while. Because I had to have some paradigms change in my mind. And, and you know my testimony. Over the last 10 years and really over the last 15 years, if you knew me 15 years ago, I was a totally different person on the inside. Now, I don't mean that I was full of sin and, you know, I was doing this and doing that. That that wasn't it. See, on the inside, I didn't know, really know, what love was. I didn't really understand how much God loved me because I didn't know how to love others. I knew how to love the people I wanted to love. That was easy. That's, that's piece cake. And it wasn't until he began to teach me how to love people that are really difficult to love that it started to change my heart and started to open up this possibility of this fervency in my heart, this yearning in my heart. And I kept, at each stage, kept wanting more of Him. So see, even though I didn't have the steps, I didn't have the understanding of what necessarily to do next, the yearning literally gave Him the authority in my life to manipulate my life to then follow that yearning. Do you see what I'm saying? See, so you think, and a lot of people, a lot of Christians do this, they sit back and say, well, God will just do it. You know, God will, if, if, if He wants me to be close to Him, He'll do it. I challenge you to show me in the word of God where it says that. Because it doesn't. It doesn't say it anywhere. Now the interesting thing, it works both ways. Do you realize that Satan cannot do anything to you internally in your heart that you don't let him do? That's a powerful statement. He could oppress you. He could come at you from from different circumstances. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what you know in your heart. He can't touch you without your authority. Want to hear something crazy? Neither can God. Neither can God. And the reason for that is the sake of love. God, when He created man, He created the choice right at that point to limit Himself, and we've talked about this, but to limit Himself, what? In our lives. See, we we strive for control all our lives, right? We just strive for this control. Do you realize you have the control? But the control is not over your life. The control is over two words. Yes or no. That's it. That's what you control. You control your yes to God. You also control your no to God. And it's with your heart and what it says, He then works with that in your life. That's why when it says all things work together for good, it's because he knows what it's going to take to reach our hearts. He also knows that there's an enemy that comes in to steal, kill, and destroy and to deceive. And so, so it's, it's like this working on two sides of our lives, if you will, waiting for a yes. Now, when there is a yes to Jesus Christ, there's no comparison in power. Please understand, there is no comparison between Jesus Christ and Satan. There's no comparison at all. Satan's head has already been crushed. It was crushed on the cross. The power is in your yes and your no. You literally stop the power of Jesus Christ working in your life when you say no to Him. When you say, I I just want you, I want to be with you, I I want to understand you, and then He says something to you that you know is Him, and you say, hold up. I'm willing to go, but yeah, this is more the direction I was talking about. (laughs) Right? We do that all the time. It puts us, that's that's why we talk about comfort zones, because what's the first thing God's going to do? It's going to get you out of your comfort zone. Because you need to be in His zone. And His zone is not comfortable for us. It just isn't. His kingdom is not comfortable for us. Until we become comfortable in it. Does that make sense? So I've been on this this search, this this hunger, this inquiry with the Lord. And He laid on my heart this fast a couple of weeks ago. And he reminded me of when we did a 40-day fast before. And I went back and, and looked in my journal and, and all the things that happened there. There were more things that happened in that 40-day period about a year and a half ago, little, little over a year and a half ago. There were more things that happened in that 40-day period in this church than have happened in all of the four years outside of that. Happened in those 40 days. In fact, and, and, and I'll tell you, just two days in, two days in, a significant thing happened in my life. and I won't share it now. We'll t- maybe talk about it. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But, but immediately, because of the intent of wanting to go after him, he did it. So he laid on my heart a 40-day fast. And I began praying about it because I, I thought, okay, well, you know, Lord, I don't want to wait. If, if you're having me do a 40-day fast, I want to get to it. I want to do it now. I want to I begin. And then there was always a delay. And and what I, I kept asking him is, Lord, is this supposed to be the church? Is this supposed to be something more than me? And and his eventual answer, which I announced on Tuesday, so that's when he told me, was, was yes. This is to be offered to the church. This is to be offered to those who have that same yearning, who have that same desire, that same want to go after him, to go after his presence in your life at a different level, at a new level. Because it's not just what we consume ourselves. It's literally what we give him availability to use. More giftings broke out in that 40 days than in any other time for us. And there's a reason for that. And, and the reason isn't because, well, we gave up food, or we gave up this, or we gave up that. The reason was because we yearned for Him. We yearned for Him. So just to, just to kind of give you a quick layout of, of what this is going to look, look like for the next four Sundays. And, and He hasn't told me any of this yet. I just know that this was what I was supposed to put up here. <clears throat> so go deep. And for any of you who, who have trouble going underwater, just take a breath when you look at it. Don't, don't let it bother you if you're claustrophobic. But, but in the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of what it means to go deep. What does it mean to pursue Him with a yearning, with a desire that you want Him over anything else? What does that mean? And, and by the way, for your calendars, the, the 40 day fast, um, we're gonna we're gonna get through Mother's Day, and as a matter of fact, it oops, Oh, stink! I just hit the wrong thing. Um, and it is going to begin as a matter of fact the day after Mother's Day, which is the fourteenth of May. That will give us four Sundays to talk about it. Is that your birthday? Yeah. You could start in the evening. <laughs> I mean, unless you really want Jesus bad. <laughs> I'm, totally I'm totally kidding. No, I, I just felt it was really important to get past my birthday. So. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I, I'll tell you why the timing worked out the way it did. Because it had nothing to do with birthdays, had nothing to do with any celebrations like that, it had to do with creation. And, and the only thing the Lord told me is this needs to happen before creation. Can't even tell you why. I don't know why. Except that He wants this to happen before creation. So, so if we begin on the 14th, then we end the Friday, uh, before creation, which is the 22nd, and I, I figured that gives us a couple days of getting strength back for the team that goes down and sets up all the tents. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to mention that so you have you have the dates. But we're gonna we're gonna be talking about this over the next few weeks, and and really what it's about. And and so I I was asking the Lord, okay, all right. So we'll we'll be talking about what, what in the world do you want to say? We we've preached, you know, we've talked about about fasting. We've talked about, uh, you know, what this means. And, but what do you want me to do? And he said, he said, I want you to go to Daniel. Daniel chapter nine. Now, anybody here familiar with the book of Daniel? Especially the last half of Daniel. Okay. Daniel is a very prophetic book. In fact, Daniel is awesome because Daniel is kind of a, a mirror image, if you will, of John But in the Old Testament, Daniel in the Old Testament, John in the New Testament, both were considered beloved of God. Both were loved by God, specific enough to where he pointed that out. All the other disciples called John, well, that's the one that Jesus loves. Did that mean that Jesus didn't love the other? No, of course. He loved them all. But there was something about John. One of, one of my favorite pictures in the Bible is where it talks about Jesus reclining at table and John has his ear, basically his face in Jesus' chest. I love that. I love that. See, today that would be weird. <laughs> it would be weird, but I love that. I want that. If Jesus was here, that's what I would want. I would want for him to know that I don't care about anything external. I just want him. Well, see, Daniel's the same way in the Old Testament. Daniel was beloved. He he was loved by God, but he lived during a very unique time period. He lived during a very difficult time for Israel. They, They were in captivity and and basically, what Jesus told me to do, and in terms of going to Daniel chapter nine, I'm thinking, okay, prophecy. What, what does prophecy have to do with anything? And and he said, no, go and begin to read. And so I want you to turn to Daniel chapter nine. And and by the way, chapter nine at the end is is one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. <coughs> In terms of prophecy, it literally, you ever hear the, the term 70 weeks of Daniel? Anybody? Okay, we really need to have a prophecy class here, people. <laughs> the 70 weeks of Daniel laid out what the entire future from Daniel on was. Okay? And, and I'm not going to get into that, but it's, it's, a, it's an amazing study. There's 69 weeks, which have already happened, and then there's this gap. There's this gap that you don't understand when you begin to read it, but when you begin to understand it, the gap is literally what we're in now because it is the focus on the Gentiles. See, that focus happened as soon as Jesus Christ rose from the grave and went to heaven. The focus became on the church, on the bride. Right? That's been the case for the last 2,000 years. There will come a point where the focus goes back on Israel. And that ushers in what we know of as the tribulation, which is not a judgment against Israel. It's literally a judgment against the world for Israel's sake. And then you go into the thousand-year reign, which is also about Israel. Okay, so so when I think of Daniel chapter 9, I think of that vision. And then and chapter ten, and 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 all that. But but the Lord had me begin reading at the beginning of, of of chapter nine, and He said, "I want you to understand Daniel's heart here. Now, understand, Daniel is in the midst of oppression, or Israel, I should say, is in the midst of captivity. Okay, now let's just begin reading at verse number one." And, and Father, I pray that everything that you reveal here is of you and not of me. God, show us this pathway to intimacy, this, this fulfillment of a yearning heart to come hard after you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent, Amidus, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Let me explain that. First of all, I want you to understand something. Daniel, who was beloved by God, what was he doing? He was reading the Bible. He was reading the Bible. He was reading the prophecies of Jeremiah. He was in there searching, seeking, wanting more from the Lord. Now, had he ever read it before? Sure. He was a prophet. I find it interesting though. This time when he read it, he perceived something he had not read before. He perceived this idea of the 70 years And how it applied to them right then. And this was about the 67th year of that. So if you can kind of place in your mind where Daniel's at, this is, they've been, they've been in captivity up till now about 67 years. Daniel's reading from the prophet, um, reading, reading the Bible from the prophet Jeremiah that this will last 70 years. So what's he thinking? Okay, we got three more years. we got three more years and this thing's over. Right? The captivity is over. Jerusalem will be set free. The temple will be rebuilt. All these things will be done. So what does he do? Does he go and have a celebration? Yes, three years. I can last three years. I can do it. No, that's not what he does. See, because his heart breaks. His heart breaks for his nation. His heart breaks for a nation that is turned from the Lord. His heart breaks for a nation that, that because of captivity and, and their forefathers before that have not understood this idea of relationship. This idea of believing the Father's words and what he says. So, So what does Daniel do? Daniel goes to prayer. Verse 3, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. just want to point out, have you ever been there? See, that's where I'm at right now. I believe that's where we're at as a church. We cry out every night on the prayer call. Lord, forgive this nation for what it's become. Forgive us for what we've become. Daniel didn't just sit there and say, hey, Lord, forgive them. He said, forgive us. Why? Because he was part of it. We're part of it. We're part of this nation. We're a representation of this nation. And so what Daniel did is he goes and he just prays before the Lord. And asks this forgiveness. He 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 prays, and it, it's so important to him that he fasts. Verse four: I prayed to the Lord my God, and made confession, saying, "O Lord, the great, and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, we have sinned and done wrong." and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from Your commandments and rules. We have not listened to Your servants, the prophets, who spoke in Your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and, and to all the people of the land. To You, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel. Those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belong open shame, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. See, he's laying out this idea that he understands that he's part of it. So often we displace ourselves from our surroundings. It's so easy to say, well, yeah, but I'm not really with all the sin in this government because, you know, that's not me and and I just kind of displace myself from it. But do you understand that whether you think so or not, you're part of it? I'm not saying the sin is yours. But the representation is yours. How we're represented to the world, how we're represented to others, has everything to do with who we are. See, that obligates us, just like it obligated Daniel. See, read Daniel's life. Do you think Daniel was a part of that? Well, no, much of it happened before he was born but yet he took it on himself because he was part of it, being a representative of Israel, being a son of Israel. We are sons and daughters of America. We take that on by the sake of our citizenship. If, I'll, I'll tell you, if you go overseas, and many of you that have know what I'm talking about, you go overseas, they're not going to know you for who you are. They're going to know you for what America is. If you don't believe me, ask people that have been over there. Right? That's what they think of. You are a representation of that. So we have an obligation just as Daniel did. And and I believe that's what we're doing. Every night on the prayer call we do that. I think that's huge. And, and we we've been seeing the fruits of that. But Daniel is just going before the Lord and and he's asking forgiveness, not just for himself, but for Israel, for his forefathers, for those who have who have trampled God's will underfoot. Then he said then he he shifts it a little bit in verse nine, he says, To the Lord all our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws which He set before us by His servants and prophets. All Israel has transgressed Your law and turned aside, refusing to obey Your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against Him. He has confirmed His words, which He spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. This time that they've been under oppression. For, for under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God. Turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done and we have not obeyed his voice. Do you think, do you think that Daniel had nothing to do with that captivity being over with? See, it's so easy to see the Word of God, like to read Jeremiah, and the, that, that they'll be in captivity for 70 years, and, and all they got to do is wait it out. See, the prophecy knew it would last for 70 years, but he also knew, God knew, that Daniel would see this, he would take it upon himself to go before the Lord, to ask forgiveness, to bring it to an end. See, it still had to be done through a person or through people. See, what if you knew that there was a prophecy that in 2021, America will turn back to God, completely turn back to God. Would you just set your clocks and say, okay, I just got to wait it out three years. Or would you take upon yourself that that is my calling to engage? That is my calling to to go in fasting. And it, 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 like what he said, sackcloth and ashes, that, that's a humbling of yourself to engage in this war, to engage in this time. Why? So it can happen in three years. See, that's what, that was Daniel's mindset. He knew that it had to be had to come from the declarations of a person, and that 's so important to understand, because I think so often Christians sit back and just say, "Well, if God wants it he 'll do it." And the whole time he 's sitting back and he said i 've wanted it from the beginning. I need to know if you want it. Do you want it? Do you want it for this country?" Do you want it for your life? We wonder why he doesn't bring change in our life. Because we're focused so much on circumstances. We think if he changes our circumstances, well, that's his favor. Now I have a job I like. Now I have friends I like. You know, now I have a really cool red truck. <laughs> Which, by the way, that 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 is something God works out. Okay, I'm just saying No, but we look at it circumstantially and we think in our lives, okay, well, God must be doing this because the circumstances are changing. But that's like putting the cart before the horse. Circumstances change according to what God wants when our hearts change. When our hearts go after Him. He wants to bring us the desires of our heart, but He needs the desires of our heart to be Him. He doesn't want to just please us for the sake of us feeling good and having some Christmas gifts. He wants us to be His best friend. He wants relationship with us. So the circumstances, if you're looking at circumstances in your life to kind of guide you as to what God's doing in your life, man, let let me save you a lot of trouble. Stop. Stop looking at the circumstances. The circumstances are merely an indicator. And not always a reliable one, by the way. Because you would think, okay, well those who are really close to God and really on fire for Him, well they don't have any problems. Why? Because because they're close to God, so then everything's good in their life. They're not sick, they don't have issues, they have a cool red truck... Right? All these things. It couldn't be more opposite of that. See, because, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, Jesus is looking at this from a whole different perspective. He's looking at this for when we are with Him, one day. And, and He says, I've, He, he says, they need, they're here right now. He, he's looking at me and he's saying, Greg's here right now. Here's where I need Greg to be. Because see, I have a plan for him for eternity. I have a position for him for eternity. And he's told me back here where he's at that he wants my will. Okay, so I gotta figure out how to get him to here. And, and those circumstances aren't just for, well, let's just bless him. Let's just bring him all the good things that he wants. This is what drives me nuts about some of the preachers that that do this health and wealth gospel thing. I mean, please, the Word of God doesn't say that. He promises health. He promises wealth. He promises the good gifts of God. Don't apply the timing to it, though. That's something we do. Because then we judge off that that something must be wrong because I don't have it. Something must be wrong because I don't have health. Something must be wrong because I don't have that job I want. As a matter of fact, I hate my job. You know, I walk into my job and there are no Christians there and they're, they just immediately are biting at me. God, this can't be your will. Wow, tell that one to Paul. Every every city Paul went into, it was just problems. In fact, he had to probably plan his time there to be a little short, so they didn't kill him. (laughs) I'm only going to be here this time because by by the time they've had three weeks of me, you know, it's I better get out of there and then go to upset some other people. Right? Don't look at the circumstances of your life and measure that with you being in God's will or not. Measure your heart. Do you want Him? Do you think about Him all the time? If you don't, why? Why? Why not? Why is He compartmentalized in your life? Do you know He wants you to think about Him all the time? Do you know he wants to have that place in your mind, that place in your heart where he's always there, no matter what you're doing? You know, you're going out and you're playing golf, you're at the first tee. Well, Lord, I could use your help on this one. See, that's not silly. That's including him. He wants to be there in everything. He wants to be there at every point. I forgot where we were here. What verse are we on? Verse 9? No, 14. Yeah, we got past (laughs) 9. Somebody fell asleep. Just kidding. Therefore, verse 14, Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that He has done. And we have not obeyed His voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O oh, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant. And he's pleading with him at this point. Listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O oh, Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary which is desolate. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations. That reminds me of Isaiah 43 where he says, Remind me of what I've said. Remind him of what he sees. You know the parable of, of the, the widow with the judge. And he compares himself to, to this judge. But he says, and yet I'm a good judge. Wouldn't I do it even more if you come to me over and over and over again? But be careful what you're asking. So again, I'll read verse 18 again. Oh my God, incline your ear to hear. Open your eyes to see our desolations and the city that is called by your name, for we do not rep- we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. See, this is first what we need to do in our lives. If you're hungry for Him, go before Him and plead mercy. God, I remind you I am but dust. Forgive me for the times that I've just not thought of you or the times that I was pulled aside because of a separate interest that I didn't include you in it doesn't have to just be sin that pulls us away from Him. Distractions can pull us away from Him. Not recognizing the real reality can pull us away from Him. Not understanding that He's working toward an end goal different than what we recognize here on earth, oftentimes, that can pull us away from Him. Then I love this verse. Verse nineteen. 19, oh O Lord, hear. O oh Lord, forgive. O oh Lord, pay attention and act. You can almost understand and feel the intensity and growing intensity that Daniel is praying here. Picture him. Picture him in your mind. He's on his knees. He's been fasting. He's laying it out all out before the Lord. He's saying, I want this, this country to flourish again because your name is on it. I want it. He says, Lord, hear me. Forgive us. Pay attention and act upon it. His intensity is what drew the Lord. His selflessness is what drew the Lord. This is what we need to do for this country. Because you know what? When this country started, when it was founded, it was founded in the name of God. The God. Not whatever God you believe, but the God. And so, the waywardness of this country, we we really need to follow the example of Daniel. And, and by the way, the last 40-day fast, it was just for that. If you remember, this was the 40-day fast leading up to the election. Knowing what God had prophesied, knowing what God had wanted, which made no sense whatsoever. I mean, it, 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 was, it was easy to accept or at least easier to accept because the, alter- the alternative to me was absolutely frightening. <laughs> Didn't mean it was super easy to ingest all of that. So what did we do? We went before the Lord and we said, Lord, this is your country. Lord, this is your country. It was founded on you, founded on your principles. Take it back. Because your name is being besmirched. His name. Why? Because he put his stamp on it. So we have an obligation. And we've been doing that. And we saw what happened in the election. We've seen what's been happening ever since. We see literally we're on the prayer call. And sometimes the next day we see answers to those things. But I believe we're there again. I believe that's why this fast is to be corporate. Because it's not just about us. It's about this country. It's about the bride. It's about his calling to ready the bride. And I know we've, we've, we've heard a lot of different things about that, prophecies about that and, and, you know, we like to focus on the good. We like to focus on the fact that he's going to give us a building and, and this building, we know, we know this huge building and even beyond that, this even greater greater building and whatever and, and all these people and we see these visions of all these people and and all that. But do you ever think about the fact that all that will come in the midst of hatred? Do you understand you will be hated when you stand up for Jesus Christ? You will be hated when you stand up for this country Being what it was originally intended to be, you'll be hated. Doesn't mean there won't be fruit. First time Peter preached after Pentecost, day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to know the Lord. That didn't all of a sudden make his life easy. No, in fact, he was hated all the more. They all were. We're gonna be hated. But we're going to be hated by those who do not want to submit to God. Make a choice. Make a choice. It's that simple. God will not allow this church, at least. By the way, this is why God has told me to take my shoes off. And he reminds me every time I preach, I keep wondering, well, this time do I get to keep them on? No. But I want to explain to you why they're off. Because my words are being declared in the court. And you are responsible for my words. For receiving or rejecting or ignoring. But the fact that they were declared in the court makes you responsible for it. First, to be like a Berean and go and prove out that which is said. But then you are responsible just as I am responsible to have a part. To have an active role. To be in prayer. To move according to the Lord's will. This is not just my responsibility. This is not just leadership's responsibility. This is yours. I love the fact that we had a, a number of young people went down to Washington, D.C. yesterday. You know, and they saw some things down there, but one of the things they did was pray over the Washington Monument, you know, which which is, we know, is a stronghold of the destroyer. It's like his last place. We know it's going to come down. And, see, they engaged. They went and engaged. And And by the way, Most of us engage. This is not a, you guys are not doing this, so come on and do it. That's not what this is. This is, we are united. We are a called group of people. And we have to, just like Daniel, we have to go before the throne time and time again and just say, God, forgive this country. Forgive us, Father. Give us what we need to move forward. Now we're not going to get into this, or at least not today. But what happened right at this point was Daniel was interrupted. I mean, he's in the midst of passionate throwdown prayer and he's interrupted. Gabriel comes up and just taps him on the shoulder, interrupts him. Why? Because he heard his prayers. The Father heard his prayers and sent Gabriel to give him a vision. And right after this, he gave him one of the most profound visions of the rest of time. See, if we want what the Lord wants for us, we've gotta be on our knees. If we want what the Lord wants for us as a church, if you want what the Lord has for you individually, you have got to be in prayer with Him. And it's not just some 10-minute thing you do in the morning. Prayer is something you do not stop. Flip it. 10 minutes, you're not with Him. How's that? And I would suggest don't even do that. Be with him the entire time. I want to encourage you to be on, on the prayer call. It's, it's interesting to me because I notice when I don't talk about it a lot up here, it starts to drop off. Corey, am I right? Yeah. I mean, there, there have been a lot of times lately where, where just the other night we had five people on there, which is enough to pray. And that was good because we usually have five prayers, <laughs> but engage in it. Engage in it. Why? Because you're called to be a part of this warfare. You're called to be a part in unity against this very thing that has gone awry called this country. God is making these changes. Don't just sit back and think, well, yeah, they're on the perk. all They're praying for it, and I see the change is happening, so clearly they don't need me. That is so false and so untrue. Because if we would humble ourselves, you know what? Uh, 2 Chronicles, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it, but 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this, if, and you've heard this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, what does that mean? Come to a place where something is more important than they are. They humble themselves, Pray and seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And will heal their land. Do you think Daniel had an idea that that was going to happen? You bet he did. Why? Because he read it in the book of Jeremiah. He knew God's will was for it to happen. He knew by him engaging, he was taking an active role in doing the will of God. It's no different than it is right now. No different. We're to take an active role in making change. And don't think for a second that you're not part of it. I, t- I told that to my daughter, Yvonne. You know, she just turned 10 years old. I mean, what do what do we think as a church? I, I think it's like, well, you know, once she's sixteen, seventeen, and well, then we'll start doing, and and by the time she's twenty, twenty one, and 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 then we could get her engaged in stuff. How ridiculous is that? You know, Alexa and I were watching the the movie Furious Love the other night, and and one awesome movie, it's such a good movie, but. In the movie, there's this guy who is in Indonesia, and he's a pastor in Indonesia of just this incredibly huge church, which is really amazing because Indonesia is the, the uh, largest Muslim nation in the world. And here he has this, this church there of about 30,000 people. He said something that that just is an eye opener to me. You know, he said, he said so often we we forget about the youth. We don't put the responsibility on them that that they one can handle and two need. Right? And he he's showing these pictures of. He, he said we have we have the I can't remember if he called it Sunday school or if he called it small groups small groups. He said we have small groups of all ages. And he said, "He said we have small groups of your five and six year olds that are being led by an eight year old. How extraordinary is that? You know, I I would imagine we we probably wouldn't put our eight year olds in charge of much of anything. Can't get you can't even get them to clean their room. Why? It's because we limit them. God doesn't limit them." I mean, do you know David was called to be king when he was 15? That's when he he, he's, he's, he kills Goliath at 15. 15 years old. I, I, I know so many 15-year-olds can't even get their life together, let alone go kill a giant, go change literally the world at 15. And, and yet we don't seem to think that our young people can do much of anything. Uh, I shouldn't even say we. Because, because, I mean, we do put a lot into our young people. It's just, we wait till they're through high school. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Are you looking at me funny? I love Ariel. <laughs> um, I did not mean that. I said that actually because you looked at me like that. <laughs> do you believe that God can do amazing things with every life? Yeah. He can, he does, he wants to. We're the only ones that limit him. The only one that limits God in your life is you. Your only desire has to be him. You want change to come in your life. It has to come from this desire. You have to cry out to him, O oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive Lord, pay attention and act. And he will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love You. We thank You and we praise You, God, because You are Almighty God. You are good. And Lord, I pray that as we begin this process of understanding what You want in this fast, of understanding what You want in the next couple of weeks in preparation, God, I pray that you speak to our hearts. I pray that you reveal not what you want, but reveal the status of our yearning, the status of where we're at in wanting you. Do, do we look at our lives and see ourselves like Daniel? where he saw what you wanted in in your word. He saw what you wanted for Israel, and that's not what was going on at the time. And so he took it upon himself to go after you, to ask forgiveness, to ask you to hear, to ask you to pay attention, and to ask you to act, and acting is what you did. Three years later, Father, you turned it around. <coughs> this unbelievably impossible thing that you did that you then did through Cyrus. So, Father, I pray that you reveal over the next couple of weeks, as we come up to this fast, what this means for us individually what this means for us as a church, what this means for us as a country, and for us as your bride. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Um, I was thinking about the um, the being hated part of uh, what Greg said today and how true it is that we we will be um, misunderstood. Anytime you get really really close to the Lord and start to do what He wants, it, it usually goes against um, human understanding, and and that's why, of course, it's the you know the wisdom the world has is kind of becomes foolish, and the foolish things of God are really what ultimately are wise. But let's not forget that it's going to be the sad truth of probably where we'll be hated the most is by other Christians. Um, that is, um, it's expected when the lost is, you know, not understanding you because you are a believer in Jesus. But when there are other believers in Jesus who are, um, in some cases, even hateful, uh, that's, that's really painful. And you have to really know and be anchored in who you are in Christ. Uh, I was thinking when he said that about Jesus himself was crucified by the religious, by the, by the religion and the other supposed Christians that were, you know the religious people of that day, and um, certainly Satan used them and used lost people to to rally with them but but they were the initiators of it, so we are called to um, really to also war against the uh, the religious spirit in the church that is is highly sneaky and demonic and and really um, just detrimental and so I know for me part of the fast this Next time that we start it, which will be again, if you missed the dates on that, May Fourteenth will be the start day. The Monday after Mother's Day is when we'll start, and we'll go the forty days right all the way up to creation. Um, but I know I'm going to be praying a lot about the the church, the the bride, and really seeing um, God bring some breakthrough, bring some accountability. You know, to hear of to hear of a church, and it, and it's it's an all too common story. Um, in fact, the story recently that I heard mirrored a story that we had heard 20 years ago um, from some friends of ours. That a pastor, uh, a, a pastor of a church, ended up um, having an affair and going away with a, with the secretary. He he went off with them and then wanted to actually start another new work, whether it be a new church or whatever, with this. Uh, with this adulterous relationship and um, and and just the deception that and, and the lack of accountability and the same story that I heard about recently in that was identical to so many years ago and you just hear it all over where people are um, you know becoming deceived and and becoming lost in the the religion of just the program and the and the world view of what religion is rather than in the purity of Christ because He will always uh, keep us walking in step with Him. And protect us from these temptations. He'll always make a way for us to escape. But when we start going in our own path, that's when we get into trouble. And it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And God loves every one of those people. But there are consequences, (coughs) dire consequences, when those things happen. So there's so much to pray for. And I want to encourage you right now, please pray about the upcoming fast. Don't just think that, okay, well, fine. I don't have to think about it until May 13th or maybe the day before. Begin to pray now, God, What what is this fast going to look like for me? Beth shared in the women's class this morning um, a, such an important point of a conversation, which is for those of us that did the 40-day fast last time, does God want you to sacrifice in an additional way? This fast that you didn't perhaps last time. Remember, there there are many different types of fasts that you can do, but there are also different ones where maybe during that forty days there can be a couple of water days, a couple of one meal a day days. You know what I mean? Like there, it can be intermittent as well as um, the the variation of what it is that you're fasting. So make a plan with the Lord, but make sure it's a sacrifice. Don't just have it be something that well yeah I could I could I could stand to give that up. Don't have it be within your flesh. The point of a fast is a sacrifice allowing God to come in. It's a sacrifice of our flesh. When our flesh is crushed, that yearning for God becomes greater because we need Him more. If you don't need Him, if it's not sacrificial, we really don't find that we need him. And the weird thing is, is sometimes our flesh has to be crushed to even recognize how much we need God. So ask the Lord, what do you want this fast to look like? You know, every one of us here and online and anyone that will view this online, I want to encourage you and invite you to to join us. But, Think about what every one of us have desires, we all have desires of our heart. we have you know goals, longings, things we want circumstantially. we have lost loved ones, we have people who are suffering, relationships that are breaking down, financial needs that just don 't end. We all want so much from God, and yet the thought of a forty day fast is like, okay, well, wait a second now now you 've crossed okay why forty days are you i mean that 's just too much it 's like we begin to back. Backpedal on, you know, pouring out to God in this yearning. And yet when it comes to our desires, God, please do this. Please give me this. Please help me with this. You know, we need God every second. Uh, when Greg said about the flip, I was thinking, can you imagine if God literally gave us his presence and his time and his protection the same amount of time that we gave wow. our attention and our focus and our love to him? That's right. Wow. I got to tell you, if it was even 10 minutes in the day where I didn't have God's protection, with how much I know the enemy's after me, that ten minutes would be the end of my life. Yeah. If God's protection and God's hand was not upon me, right. we just don't know. We we are just sometimes dulled to how much God fights for us
0: yeah.
1: and how much He protects us. Yes. And I don't think you know how much God fights for you because He does. He fights for you every single day to just take your breath in every new morning. And do, and and he yearns for you to do what he wants you to do because he wants to bless you. He loves us. He loves us so much. So this is, um, it may seem daunting to think of 40 days without things that we love in our flesh. But boy, how could we not give God our everything when he's given everything for us? So I hope that you'll pray about that and begin to... um, Ask God what it looks like and the victory, the breakthrough, I mean the things, the longings of your hearts, the family members, the people, the mountains that seem immovable, what victory could be had from this 40-day fast? It'll blow your minds. He is the God of the exceeding abundantly above. And um, again, we only limit him. And so this 40 days is to say, God, tear down the things in my life that limit you because I want it all. I want everything. That you have for me. I hope that's the desire of your heart. And uh, I want to encourage you to do that. And I'm going to let Greg talk about creation this year.